Okay, hi everybody, Jeff Cooper here with uh, Classic Christian Rock Radio, and this is a Time Machine program once again. And today we have, today, today, I said, today we have a great special guest. It's Dale Dirksen uh, from Quick Flight. Hi, Dale. How are you doing out there in Saskatoon, is it, or Saskatchewan? I am in Saskatoon, and I'm doing fine. Good, okay. Well, I know those in the USA love to say the name of Saskatchewan, so here we have someone from Saskatchewan, Canada. Uh, We like it out here in BC as well. Okay, Dale, um, what age did you show an interest in music? Um, That's a good question. I, I found out something interesting when I was younger and that is that not everyone in the world had a song in their head at all times and that was a surprise to me uh but that's kind of probably where my musical interest is is i just always had something in my head um partly that can feel like dysfunction partly it can feel like something else but i took piano lessons when i was a kid and was pretty interested in that didn't uh, didn't really get serious about music until college um but I, I had a parent who had determined that I was going to be a classical pianist when I was quite young, which means I uh, did a lot of, a lot of piano. I actually, uh, actually did my grade eight Royal Conservatory when I was twelve, which was a really bad idea, and mm. determined I would never play music again. <laughs> uh, so that's kind of the journey, uh, on and off. But college is where it really, really started doing it more seriously. When did you start performing and recording? Um, I did a little bit before college, but mostly it was a college thing. And so um, I was a music major in college. I have a degree in uh, composition. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that included traveling college groups that went around kind of, you know, the the Christian college thing. And uh, so lots of performing uh, across all, most of Canada, I guess. Mm-hmm. And and so uh, mostly vocal stuff, a little bit of instrumental. Um, and then when I, when I was in my hmm, third or fourth year in college, I can't remember exactly, uh, I was in a band and we, uh, well, it was controversial then. That was 19... 19- 78 or 79 and so rock band rock music was controversial at the time oh, and yeah. so uh, we played a fair amount but mostly uh, in the confines of the school just mm-hmm. so happens that rick de groot was part of that band too so oh. um rick and i were both part of quick flight so you you had known him before you joined quick flight or like you're not on the first album correct correct i grew up with rick so we were buddies uh in probably elementary school mm-hmm and then um, we did play in a band, and I was trying to think of what the name of that band was in high school. Briefly, we played together, and uh, the most memorable thing of that was one day we were driving away from a practice with an old black, I think it was a Ford from the 60s, uh-huh. and we had a whole bunch of instruments in the vehicle, and the vehicle started on fire. Oh. And it was a terrifying moment, you know, when the guitars might burn. and. Mm-hmm. Uh, fire department came, put it out, but that's probably the most memorable thing from that band. Oh, unfortunately, <laughs> not really music. <laughs> anyway, Rick, Rick and I have known each other, yeah, since probably 1970. Well, that's true. Wow. So, when did you join Quick Flight? How did that come about? Obviously, friends with Rick. Um, they needed an- another keyboard player, or did they? I guess they they did have a keyboard player at the time. 
Yeah, so um, after college, um, Rick kind of went off and did the quick flight thing, and mm-hmm. I I did a solo thing with another guy, an actor, and we we did kind of music drama duo, lots of comedy. Oh. Uh, we played 200 dates across U.S. and Canada in about eight months, and wow. it was actually pretty good, pretty successful, you know, sold records, did all that stuff, but, but I felt like... Um, I needed to do something different, mm-hmm. and uh, what I was doing wasn't very well. wasn't techno at all, and wasn't really much rock either. And so, as Rick and I were talking, um, there was a couple things going on with Quick Flight at the time, and including mm-hmm. some band members were leaving. Mm-hmm. And um, Rick was the keyboard player at that point, and and they he kind of felt like maybe Quick Flight would be better served with two keyboard players. Okay. So, so I uh, dropped the other thing that I was doing and uh, and joined the band. So uh, at the time, the band um, when I joined uh, included Gary Hendricks mm-hmm. on drums and Pete Cordalis and Doug Giesbrecht. And right. so Gary, Gary and I also grew up together. Uh, never actually, we, I think Gary might have been in that band with the car yeah. that was on fire. No. Oh. Uh, but anyway, uh, foggy memory, but so I, I had a long history with the guys and, uh, when I joined the band, like I said, I was, I joined as a keyboard player, uh, that changed pretty fast. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) so maybe we're jumping ahead a little bit here, but, but, uh, we were all kind of Bible college boys who hadn't really ever been exposed to the regular world much. Right. Uh, that may be an overstatement, but. Um, we'd certainly never played in a bar before yeah. and we practiced, uh, vigorously all summer to become a good bar band mm-hmm. and, and, and we were, we didn't know yeah. it of course, yeah. but mm-hmm. we, we were a good band. So anyway, we, uh, the first gig we played, uh, two things happened. One was, um, after it was just in a remote place on Northern Vancouver Island okay. where they make people go to start playing in, in bars yeah. and, so after the first song we played, uh, a lady at the back of the bar in the dark yelled, you guys suck. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we looked at each other literally and kind yeah. of like, we do? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Crap. You know, we worked so hard at this and we suck. And we didn't know that we were probably the best band that ever played there. Were you, uh, loud? But, you were loud sucking, right? <laughs> well, the, the problem is yeah. we had no idea how to deal with hecklers. Okay. And uh, so in the church world, people will clap politely even if they don't like you. Mm-hmm. And in the in the regular world, I think people are more likely to say what they think. Yep. And they're kind of hoping for a response. <clears throat> yeah. So, so we didn't know how to handle hecklers. And it was an awkward moment where everyone in the place was quiet, waiting. Now what's going to happen? <laughs> and it took us a couple of months, actually, to learn that you're supposed to yell back and you have a microphone and you yeah. can actually win that argument. So yeah. we didn't know that yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that's the one thing that happened. Another thing that happened was uh, one of the guys in the band, I'll just not mention his name, yeah. but. I think it was a little too much mm-hmm. um, to suddenly be thrust into that world. Yeah. And that was actually his last night. Wow. <laughs> so we had to fly in a, a player. I don't even know if we could fly into that place, but we, yeah. we got in another player. Mm-hmm. And uh, and anyway, that's those are two things that happened our first wow. <laughs> gig in wow. a bar. So mm-hmm. how many did you, was that for uh, a year or so? Or did you spend a year doing that or quite a lot of time? 
Yep, most of a year, mm-hmm. um, and we were managed out of Vancouver, and we ended up yeah. playing A rooms, mm-hmm. uh, not the. Well, I shouldn't. I don't know if I should really say this, but they used to call that the toilet circuit. Yes. It was kind of where you mm-hmm. paid your dues, and it yeah. was a, it was rougher. But yeah, uh, we ended up playing some A rooms, and it was you know it was much better. And um, mm. uh, I know uh, you know people wonder why did you do that, and the time it was extremely controversial. Mm-hmm. Um, it was not affirmed by our church or by many of our friends from Bible school that we were doing this, but we really felt like uh, we needed to learn how to play better. Yes. And you just don't get that Mm -hmm. playing six or seven gigs a year on the Christian circuit in Canada. Yeah. No. Um, Yeah. And you also don't get it when everybody claps politely, you know? Right. So, so that's part of our reason was we felt like we needed to learn to play. And so we did, we did uh, sometimes, I I think one time we did 12 straight weeks, Oh boy. six, six nights a week, one day travel. And, you know, we'd practice in the afternoons. And Mm -hmm. uh, so I think it worked for us. We, we learned to play. I, um, I ended up being the bass player, which I'd actually never oh. played bass before. Okay. And because uh, that person in the band also left. Mm. And so I I uh, learned that, and, and that was fun. But, you know, you learn by playing. And so we played uh, Top 40, learned a ton of new songs. And yeah. It's really good for really good for us to learn how to do that, and you can't really make a living. At least at that time, you couldn't really make a living as a musician, a Christian musician in Canada. Mm-hmm. So it was a way to make a living. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, so it's good. it was good. Um, Interestingly enough, I, I was at one of those gigs in Vancouver or Burnaby somewhere. I can't remember which one it was. And uh, I spoke to, I think it was your manager at the time anyway. And I got it. I says, they're trying to get their licks together. They're really trying to get together as a band and get tight. And uh, I didn't hear any quick flight songs, so I was a little <laughs> disappointed. But I heard, uh, I know it was Devo and um, I think Sting, a little bit of uh, Police. I'm not sure. In that genre, anyway. Yeah, so do you remember where that was? Oh, I'm just trying to recall. So it's, like I said, it was either Burnaby, somewhere in the Vancouver area. So yeah. Vancouver area. So one of the A rooms, as you say. Um, yeah. yeah. There was a... There was a club we played called the Rock Box. Okay. And we played that more than once. That but might have been it. So, so what we did, I mean, we really were a, uh, a club band. We yeah. were playing for the dance floor, and, mm-hmm. and that was fine. But we did throw in the odd quick flight song. Okay, yeah. And, of course, those would, would have all been mm. from the first record. If I'm right, you did them a little faster, <laughs> right? You, you punked them up a bit. Am I right? Uh, maybe not intentionally. <laughs> but, yeah, because like, I know bands play faster live. I just try yeah. to remember, I think it was, you know, a different edgier version of a quick flight song, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, sure. And, uh, in, at that time we had a live drummer. Yeah. So right. our tempos were definitely impacted by the moment. Right. Um, later, of course, after the Decent Beat record, mm-hmm. we used digital drums and those don't, those don't lie. I know. <laughs> they keep the same yeah. speed. Yeah. Fortunately, you're one of the few bands that I did like the digital drums. I'm not a big fan. I'm a drummer myself, and I like the live drums. But uh-huh. you somehow kept it together, and I, I, I think your overall music was just great. So you went from six-piece band, I believe, down to three or four, was it, at the end? At the end, it was three. Yeah. Uh, plus that drumulator. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it can be four, yeah. And who programmed sure. that? You must have programmed it. 
Um, no, Rick pretty much did it all, and okay. he did all of the programming uh, on the Decent Beat record as well. Right. Um, I'm trying to think if I did. I worked with the machine some, but I can't remember. I don't think I did any. I actually did some actual drum hitting okay. on that record. Yes. Um, which I'm not a drummer either, so but mm. whatever. But on the Safety in Numbers song, mm-hmm. there's some Simmons drums in there that I did. Right. And on Metro Alien, I actually played timpani, and so you can hear it in the guitar solo. Right. Uh, there's a timpani going up and down, and it's yeah. mic mic from across a room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> kind of an adventure. <laughs> get all those sounds, yeah. Well, it's it's a classic. Uh, I'll probably get into a little bit more after, but I'm just wondering, why did you never get into CDs with the digital age? Like you were right on the cusp of it, and this music was very digital, and yeah. n- CDs were never made. Yeah, this is a, that's a really interesting question, and I don't know. I'll tell you what I know. Mm-hmm. So um, we were signed to Starsong Records, yeah. and the head two guys of that was a, a guy named uh, Daryl Harris and another guy named Wayne, I forget his last name. But Daryl Harris ended up being the sole owner of uh, Starsong and then eventually sold it to EMI. Yeah. But Daryl and I reconnected about in after after 2000. And uh, become really good friends, and so I, I asked him that question, mm-hmm. you know, because he would have known. Yeah. And between him and Rick and Bob Brooks, who was the executive yeah. producer of the whole thing, yeah. the the actual master tape was lost. That's what we've oh. discerned. Yeah. So the only way to do um, CD would be to to do it off of something else. Yeah, so I have yeah. I have CDs that are just off of a record, yeah. but like a vinyl. But I have some as well. I know what you mean. Yeah, so that's the story I got. Mm-hmm. And um, that that probably the person who would most know that was true would be Bob Brooks, and from what I've heard, I'll that's... I'll have to ask uh, him. Does he... <laughs> you know Bob? I met him. In fact, uh, I've told the story before. I was in a recording for Servant's second album, and he asked us to leave. <laughs> Appreciate ah. because there was too many people in the room. We weren't noisy or rude. He think he just, what are all these people doing here? And oh, he's pretty, quite the uh, perfectionist, I think. So he wanted get those guys out of here. <laughs> Who are they anyway? And it was right. way, and, way back and he, in my early days, I was trying to get an interview with them or something. So, <laughs> so I think, I think he produced Servant, right? Yeah. Yes, he did. I have him on Facebook, so I will, as a friend, so I'll ask him that question. He's a good guy. And I think I have mutual Great. friends of his. So, um, Ed Lou from Love Chapter Band knows him quite well. So hmm. I'll have a little chat and say, where are these digitals? There must be a way to do it. I know some, some bands have done it off vinyl because it's all they had. And it's better, yeah. than, it's better than nothing, so they should look at it, maybe. <clears throat> there there are people who are selling Quick Flight CDs oh, online. You can find them. Yeah. I I once just connected with one of them just to say, yeah. you know, interesting, and he sent me a yeah, he sent you <laughs> free <a> CD. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a way That's to do fun. all that. There's some of them that are pretty good at it. They can get the... The, the uh, I guess off of YouTube, there's the files off there. Then they can transfer it back, or they'll get the MP3s from their visual, you know, their vinyl uh, copies. They'll make their copies, make a CD, and then there's a few unscrupulous people out there. I can't believe it, even in the Christian world. Can you believe that? <laughs> Scarcely. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so um, 
Tell us who you toured with. I saw a few uh, names that I could drop, but I'll let you do that. Uh, as Quick Flight, who did you either open with or have open for you or just go on a tour with? Yeah. Um, a lot of the connections we had were festival dates. Yeah. So we didn't do a lot of just us and somebody else touring, right. but probably the only one that when I was part of the band would have been with Steve Taylor. Right. Yeah. Before I know, I think quick flight did some dates with servant, but mm -hmm. it would have been before my time. Probably a tunesmith special. I th actually, I think it yeah. was before I saw, that's when I saw them first. They had opened for Quick Flight or for uh, Servant, and uh, their album had just come out. So I probably picked the album up. I've actually got the original right here in front of me, the Tune Smith nice. vinyl. I've got both vinyls, so uh, proud of those. <laughs> I, I actually have a few of those, that first record, still in plastic. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh. I don't know if they're uh, worth anything to anybody, but I do have them. Yeah. I only have one of the, of the Decent Beat record, and it's an American pressing mm -hmm. uh the difference is there are some words scrawled in the center of the vinyl oh really well let's uh -huh. let's have a quick look here it's a star song right yeah and mine is yep yeah, mine's an american pressing awesome. so what does it say you tell me what it oh, says i'll put my glasses on and read that you haven't read it before or you know what oh i know what it says okay <laughs> i can't quite read are we able to shouldn't read it out loud on the air <laughs> no it's fine it's fine i can't uh, quite read it so on one side i yeah. believe it says pretty scary a eh, kitties oh yeah <laughs> uh, and on the other side it says to lunchtime love and being 21 oh wow that's that's a thing eh that's a thing. Stories of both of those that will remain untold. Okay, okay, we don't need to know that. <laughs> Alrighty. So you mentioned Steve Taylor. You went on later to to uh, play. How did that come about? Was that after Quick Flight? During Quick Flight? Um. Yeah, it was during Quick Flight. So yeah. probably our agent Mike Cavelli or maybe Daryl or somebody concocted a tour with Steve and us. And yeah. Steve wanted to save some money, so he said, "You know, can one of you guys play keyboards for me?" Okay. So. Uh, I did, mm -hmm. and uh, so I played with Steve for a number of dates, like a bunch in Canada and at least one or two in the States, yeah. But um, and that was fine. Uh, probably the biggest show I ever played was we headlined the Jesus Festival in 1984 in Orlando with Steve, mm -hmm. and so that would probably been my biggest show yeah. ever. <laughs> which which show was that video from that we uh, posted out? You saw that video. Yeah. You put it out. Originally, I grabbed it and put it on our Facebook page, too. Now, yeah. Which festival was that? That's classic. Yeah. So that, um, I'm not exactly sure the name of it. It was at Azusa Pacific University okay. in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And it was actually the last concert Quick Flight ever did. Really? And we played with a number of bands, you know, the the normal ones that yeah. float around those days, like Undercover yeah. and uh, Steve Taylor is part of that. But um, Carrie Lifgren and some of that crew were part of that, too. Really? Great. Yeah. So, you know, it was kind of a moment. Uh, unfortunately, I think a lot of the people who were at that place were looking for music more like what we were playing. Right. And less, less like Kansas. Yeah. And so um, at the end, I think they said there were about 8,000 people there. And I remember kind of standing toward the back of this football thing. And mm -hmm. people were leaving oh. as the as the good players oh were my playing. Goodness. 
Yeah, and I, I remember thinking, now you guys, this is the good band. You know, yeah. we won't leave. But, but I think they maybe were seen as old or something. I don't know. Oh my goodness! Uh, wow. Yeah. So I would still see all those groups at one show and be happy. You know, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's yeah, unbelievable. No. Oh. <laughs> Oh, I could just imagine. But I, I just love the video. I've, I saw comments on your dancing style. But that you guys look so professional, so good. That's from all those nightclubs. Uh, yeah, I think so. Because <laughs> you don't learn that in no, church. Stage presence <laughs> was great. Yeah. Yeah. So here's here's the thing that I found really funny mm-hmm. is um, whatever you do, especially if it's a little bit innovative, yeah. will be cool. And then embarrassing, and then Later, cool, yeah. and then embarrassing, and kind of goes through cycles. So right. um, part of my life journey was to work uh, at a college, and I was teaching a lot of different kinds of things there. But for a while, I was teaching music. And at first, when I went to this college, the um, students would discover video and stuff like this, and they'd go, oh, that's just so horrible and embarrassing. <laughs> I can't believe you would even, you know. Yeah be alive after something so horrible <laughs> and then and then uh literally six seven years later all of a sudden it became retro and yeah. cool and right now i think we're okay still uh yeah. my 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 kids like the music i did mm-hmm. so that probably is something oh you you guys would be great they probably would sample yours and hip-hop to it or something today but you know um just well there was a band in australia yeah. called paradox okay yeah that that did a cover of Metro Alien actually, wow. and they it was really good. Yeah. I I loved it. Um, kind of a sad story. The lead singer of that band, Lisa mm-hmm. Dix, passed away from cancer, wow. and so uh, you know, thing kind of ended there. But they did send us the cover, and it was really yeah. I really liked. That's it. great. <laughs> Speaking of covering, um, not so much covering, but you have been compared at least on a couple songs to After the Fire. I know you've heard that before. Uh, intentional. Uh, no, not from my perspective, and I don't think from Rick. I mean, this would be a Rick thing, right? Yeah. Um, some of the stuff I remember us thinking about, well, one band in particular was Roxy Music. Right on, yep. And the Avalon record especially. Yeah. And to this day, I would say, you know, I, I would listen to that mm. over and over again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, of course, anything anything that was heavily Prophet 5, mm-hmm. so that's a sequential circuits keyboard. Yeah. We had two of them, and... Um, you know, any of those sounds, uh, probably there was a bit of influence. Yeah, for sure. Hard to say. Yeah. And then Rick, of course, went on to, uh, join Strange Advance and, uh, that was, uh, I don't know how long had they been around when he joined them. They'd been around for quite a while. Yeah. I don't know a lot about that. Um, I know it was kind of concurrent, right? Like there was some, uh, playing there, and I know they they did some really big shows. I mean, they they did a tour, I think, with Tina Turner. Yeah. But but uh, and they had very interesting music, you know, guitar synth stuff. Yeah. It was kind of intriguing, but I don't know that much else about yeah. Strange Advance. Yeah. I have to catch up with him sometime and ask about that. Um, any memorable gigs that you've taught? You've talked about a few things. Sure. Um, okay, so one memorable gig uh, that was good, uh, played in Calgary at University of Calgary. It was a it was a full room. No, you know, it was a, I can't remember how big the room was. Not huge. Yeah, like five five hundred maybe. Yeah, 
but the the cool thing was we played with Steve Taylor, but on the billing we were billed, we were top billed. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> and I was playing, I was playing with both, you know, yeah, so whatever. But it was a, that was a kind of a cool moment. Um, I loved playing the Ichthus Festival in Wilmore, so it was in not in Lexington then; it was in Wilmore, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And uh, just was such a great feel. Loved the uh, the time of year. I think it was April, and it just mm-hmm. it just was great. And I played with uh, I think I played with Steve, and um, and then Steve Camp said oh. to Steve's Steve Taylor's band, "No, can you play with me too?" And yeah. I'm thinking I'm pretty spread thin already, so <laughs> I I bailed, but everybody else joined in there. Yeah. So okay, <laughs> kind of, so so th- those were some positives. Yeah. Um, a funny story. Um, that I think I can tell. Uh, so we, we did, um, I think seven dates in a row at one point in, and there were six of them were in Canada and one was in Orlando. So that's yeah. the Jesus festival in 84 and, and quick flight didn't play Orlando, but Steve did. So I, uh, went with him. And so literally seven straight days, I think Cranbrook, uh, BC, mm-hmm. Orlando, Calgary, mm-hmm. three dates in a row three nights in a row. So uh, didn't see a bed much for three days um, and got to the gig in Orlando and it was a big show, 20, about 20,000 people and and uh, we go to the stage and we're headlining so we're the last thing on the show and we yeah. played a couple of songs and you know, it's the classic, you know, mm. the crowd goes wild <laughs> and they've been waiting all night yeah. for Steve and <laughs> great and, uh, and all of a sudden I noticed to my left uh, on the side of the stage, t- police, policemen. Uh-oh. And I'm thinking, I wonder what's up. But you know, I'm a Canadian. Mm-hmm. Have I? Am I getting deported? What's going on here? And of course, thinking I was the center of attention. Yeah. But uh, so they come to me, mm-hmm. which was a freaky, and they said, "Hey, you got to shut it down." Mm-hmm. And I said, "What? I'm looking out at twenty thousand people and yeah. looking at these couple of policemen. They will shut it down." They said, "Yeah, there's a there's a bylaw in Orlando. You can't have an outdoor concert after eleven o'clock at night. Oh, it's eleven thirty. Oh. So you you got to shut it down." And I'm thinking as if. So I said, "Go talk to Cactus." So Cactus Moser, Scott Moser is the drummer. Um, he went on to uh, do Highway 101, currently married to Winona, mm. and doing a bunch of stuff like that. So he, he went on to a legit, uh, pretty significant career in yeah. country music. But he's just a great guy to send the police to. So I did. <laughs> and then he went and talked to Steve. And so now Steve has to explain to the crowd, uh, we're shut down. We played five songs. Oh, boy. So, so that was a pretty uh, epic and memorable occasion, especially because three nights or at least two nights with no bed and yeah. airplanes and airports and five songs and kicked off the stage and go home. Yeah. <laughs> so that was pretty memorable. Yeah. Oh, boy. <clears throat> well, what challenges, that's a definite challenge, has the Christian music scene given you uh, with Quick Flight over the years? Not just the scene, but I guess uh, the church as well. I like to throw the whole thing in there. Right. Um, I've gotten communication from people thanking me for being a pioneer. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's people who were able to play a style of music or in a kind of venue or whatever without feeling like they were uh, being criticized a lot. And so... That's probably a significant thing for me is just trying to uh, trying to navigate a time when there were a lot of people teaching that what we were doing just wasn't right yeah. uh, in the church. And um, it, it wasn't a 
honestly a particularly great time spiritually for me. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, here I was wondering about a lot of things, asking a lot of questions, and um, and having my church really be very unsupportive. Yeah, and yeah. Just trying to figure out how you know how do you navigate this? I this is the time I need the most support, and then it's not there. Right. Um, I. This might be strange for someone to hear today, but I grew up in a world where people who went to nightclubs were dark and sinister and sad and depressed Mm -hmm. and, you know, and that was just it. And I'd even written songs about that. And my shock was I found that the people in a lot of the bars we were playing were actually not unlike my church friends. Right. That was a surprise to me. Yeah. Um, partly, partly the quality of person. Mm-hmm. Of course, there's all types of quality of people everywhere, but there were some really good, caring people. Yeah, uh, I was surprised to find out how many people went to you know a rooms and didn't drink, right? Because they wanted to hear music. That's right. Um, I was surprised at how caring people were. Yeah, and um, so that was uh, really a challenge for me. Um, and some people say, thanks for being a pioneer. That's fine. Um, I, nowadays, it's it's not as big of a deal Yeah. Um, to play in a club or, you know, to play a uh, more of a religious setting or mm-hmm. a non-religious setting. That's not that much of a deal, yeah. I don't think, anymore. Yeah, I don't think so either. But it was a really big deal then. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. So um, that was that was painful. And uh, I don't think there are necessarily any different challenges spiritually than any other kind of job yeah um it just it wasn't a great time for me but um without support it was even more challenging yeah I think. yeah that sure would be i mean um when you need it the most you weren't getting it that's uh, instead of uh trying to build people up uh, a lot of the church at that time or people in the church <clears throat> would took look for opportunities to criticize or tear you down and not see what you're doing i was going to say too a lot of people going to the nightclubs are going to there for the same reason people go to church they want to be with people they're looking for someone to talk to and maybe just have you know uh enjoy people's company and get some advice on life yeah sure so community of yeah, course for and sure. i think so in retrospect yeah. um that time was really important and formative for me because first of all, I had a, I, I really gained a different understanding of what people were like outside of the church yeah. that I think was just a lot more accurate. Yeah. Plus, uh, I wanted to be. Eventually, I ended up being in church leadership, and I wanted mm-hmm. to be the type of person who could encourage and support people who maybe were a little further onto the edges. Yeah. Uh, and I, I still feel that. Yeah. I still feel a very strong uh, desire to. Um, Connect with, support, you know, whatever the right word is, those who are disenfranchised yeah. or uh, marginalized by either the church or society in general. general. And yeah. yeah, that probably came out of that. That's good. So that, can I tell us? Yeah, can go, I tell a story about? So I was yeah. living with my uh, senior aunt uh-huh. when I was playing in bars in Vancouver, and yeah. she was a single aunt, uh, very close to me, but she was older and. Um, one day she said, I'd like to come see you in, in the bar. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it was <laughs> a, bar. a bit of a terrifying <laughs> yeah. moment yeah. for me. Cause you know, the fact that she wanted, this is, this is important to me that 
but you know it was okay with her. So anyway, I warned the the staff at this bar, and she came with her single sister, so two single aunts, Mm -hmm. and and they're old, you know, they're church church lady type people, and and I told the staff they're coming, Mm -hmm. take care of them, you know, be nice to them, and and uh, so they showed up, and the staff treated them like princesses, and they they got them a table with good sight, not as loud, gave them free non-alcoholic drinks as much as they wanted, just just treated them so well, and uh, so I I, later that day, I got that night I got home, and it was 3 a.m. or something, and my aunt was asleep, and there's just a note there, and the note said, um, I expected to be, um, what was the word? Hmm. I expected to be offended. That's what it was. Yeah. And but I'm not. Wow. And it was just really an important moment for me. That's wonderful. What, that's a great story. Yeah. That really is. Um, you you started to touch on this a little bit because you mentor people. Um, what advice would you give new artists? You've mentored and taught uh, a lot of young musicians um, in their Christian walk as well as their musical walk, I'm sure. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so one of the things I learned uh, way after I toured was that I'm a fairly strong introvert. Mm. And when I was touring, I don't think we talked about these things or didn't know it or whatever. But when you tour, you're just with people all the time. And the expectations are absolutely brutal for an introvert. And there, there were times when I felt like I was literally losing my mind. And I had no idea why. So... uh, I've worked with some musicians who who do tour a lot now and are uh, exposed to a lot of people. And I've worked a lot of them are introverts. Yeah, um, it's not uncommon. Maybe at least half, but maybe more. And so, one of the things I would say and have said is know yourself, understand yourself. And so I worked with one guy who's a very strong introvert, more than me, mm-hmm. and he he tours all over the world today. And I with him, I just said, so how are you going to survive knowing this about yourself? Yeah. And he built systems for himself mm-hmm. to be able to have time to uh, get away from people. Um, just just how he structured his life on the road. Wow. And I think I think he's done really well. Mm-hmm. So um, that would be one thing: know yourself, yeah. understand yourself, yeah. know how to how to keep healthy, mm-hmm. uh, not just emotionally and mentally and spiritually, but even physically. Yes. You know, know how know how to keep healthy. Yes. As uh, most most people who play at fairly high levels don't have to be told, you know, learn how to play and right. practice no. and that stuff. They do that already. It's the balance part that I think is important. That's right. Uh, so that's one thing. Another thing, if it was a, a person of faith, I would say um, make sure you have people around you who are good for your faith. Yes. And th- recognizing that may not be the people you play with. Hmm. Uh, you know, that's that's a job. You're yeah. like if you're a bricklayer, you work with bricklayers that's right. you don't, that's, you know it's not a faith thing yeah. but but there are other ways and i think um i think that's something that in retrospect uh i didn't realize is how significant those relationships were with people who you travel with yeah um i think th- the guy who showed me the most good about that would be glenn kaiser and how wow. those guys uh from res band Amen. just really yeah. invested in people yes and uh i mean they're they're i'm convinced they're best and most important ministry was not to people who watched and listened to their music. It really was the people who they toured with. So I would say that, you know, be really wise about those kinds of things. And, uh, yeah, 
I agree. I agree. He's a wonderful wife. I've spoken to him and uh, felt uh, uplifted just from five minute conversation. Uh, mm. Yeah, just uh, terrific, terrific people. Uh, good mentors as well. <clears throat> okay. Um, I was going to ask you something too. Um, Here's a good one for you. <laughs> I've, uh, because I, I've played in many bands. I'm in a band currently. We're, uh, we're not playing right now, of course, but uh, uh, I've met former band members and said, you know, we should get together again and uh, do some kind of reunion. And they never seemed that interested. I seemed to be the only one that was <laughs> interested. And I'm the drummer, so it'd be kind of boring for people. Have you ever thought of a quick flight reunion of any kind? Yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> I know that. Only... Only in my dreams. I know. Literally. I know, because you're literally, not, you're not so, young anymore. We're not, uh, you know. <laughs> well, no, not those kind of dreams. Mm. So I've actually, even within the last year, yeah. had nightmares oh, okay. where there is a, I mean, it's usually not as fancy as a reunion, but there's a gig. Right. And and it's quick flight. Yeah. And, you know, there's there's Rick. And, and inevitably in these dreams... I do not have it together. So I don't know what I'm supposed to play. I don't remember the songs. No. I Sometimes they're brand new songs. Yeah. I don't know. And so I do actually, like, it's remarkable to think however many years later this is, 30-some, it's a long time, yeah. that I would still have that in my head. Yeah. So maybe I'm embarrassed about that, but it is... Uh, it is strange. I, I mean, th- the chances of that are <laughs> not very. Yeah, they're in jest. Well, they're good in jest. And I mean, I don't, uh, I don't have a lot of contact no. with um, the band anymore. I because I'm, I know Rick's family. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I probably have more contact with some of his family members. But okay, uh, and with Greg, I haven't had any contact other than the, you know, the Facebook friend thing. Yeah, I feel like I should probably look him up. Um, the, the. The members of the quick, the original Quick Flight. Mm-hmm. Some of them I also have connected with a little bit over the years, mm-hmm. uh, but not that much. No, no, no. My journey has been yeah. a little more varied. <laughs> yeah, because that would have led it to my next question. We talked a bit earlier. Um, <clears throat> there's no chance of any re- releases, remasters, or hidden tracks of Quick Flight songs we've never heard uh, anywhere hidden that we can uh, hear in the future. Um. Well. There are some. I'm sure there's lots of I, recordings from sure. practice or something. No, there there were some that were done at Little Mountain, mm-hmm. and there. Um, so, but I would. I mean, it would have to be Rick who would make the call yeah. on those. And um, I mean, I have them, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And they're they're interesting. Yeah. You know, I I think we were looking at. Uh, kind of what was the next step for quick flight yeah. and the next step would have included a live drummer i'm pretty sure of that for sure um, oh yes <laughs> so, so you oh. can feel better about that but yeah there are some yeah. of those uh i always find it hilarious to hear so i somebody sent me a cd it was a, a disc burn of a recording in a club somewhere that they did uh-huh and uh, it was great. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. I mean, it's you kind of embarrassed a little. And, but off the board mixes are pretty good, stuff. aren't they? Some of those. Uh, that, yeah, I don't even know how this was recorded, yeah. but it was still it was pretty fun. <laughs> so, what are you doing now? And does it involve music? It doesn't have to, of course. But what are you doing yeah. now? Tell us about that. Sure. 
Um, so I've had a really a pretty charmed life. I've got to do a lot of different things in my life, yeah. uh, including playing music. Um, but I taught at a uh, mostly at a grad school, so a seminary for quite a few years, mm-hmm. and that involved a certain level of education and all of that that I was able to do. And so um, after leaving that job, uh, it was about to 11 years ago, I became executive pastor in a church. So another strange twist of events where I'm, you know, doing, working with 20 staff and trying to figure out how to match resources with mission and all that stuff. And that was great, but yes. um, that ended a year ago. Oh, okay. And so uh, I'm, I am, it's way easier to say you retired than to say you quit. Okay. Yep. Everybody pat, everybody pats you on the back and says, lucky you when you retire. But when you quit, they say, why do you, why are you abandoning yeah. us? So <laughs> technically that's what happened. But what I'm doing now is, uh, I, part of my education includes, um, training as an executive coach. So working with high level leaders. So I do that. I have a coaching business. Plus I'm doing a fair amount of adjunct teaching, uh, mostly at a, uh, college and seminary in Saskatoon called Horizon. And that has been really fun. Since I stopped being an executive pastor and have more time, I have been doing a lot more music, Mm -hmm. mostly uh, by myself. So um, I did a series of stuff over Lent that was uh, taking old hymns and doing minor, a little bit more updated versions of them. And uh, those are those have been really good for me. Um, I did a version of Spirit of God Descend Upon My Heart, mm. which is an, a hymn from a couple of hundred years ago yeah. that will show up at Pentecost in my church. Mm-hmm. And um, so, so I'm doing that. I'm working quite a lot in my church. Uh, I do more speaking than music, but I'm doing a little bit of music. Um, I have a son-in-law who's part of a band called the Elephant Seal Song Company okay. <laughs> that has a recent uh, record release that they, they're doing some really creative stuff. So I yeah. get to be able to connect a bit and be, um, well, support anyway, yes. hopefully a little bit mentor, but support. So uh, I, I feel like I just have tremendous uh, opportunities and stuff I get to do. Yeah. It's really fun. That's great. I see. I'm looking here. You were a graphic artist in Richmond, BC. That's where I am. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I worked for a company there called sudden graphics. Okay. And uh, one of the jobs I did, this maybe tells you about my personality, but mm-hmm. um, I actually made maps for the whole lower mainland. Uh-huh. And so somebody else drew the maps and all I did was put the streets on. Oh, you're them. the guy. Okay. <laughs> I know. Before Google it's, maps. <laughs> oh, it's, in, it's crazy. That <laughs> meticulous thing of that. And I actually didn't mind it. Yeah. So yeah. But I, I've done other stuff too. Worked for a couple of different graphics companies. Yeah, I see that. I see a discography here. Uh, do we have any access to anything you've recorded? Like, do you have a, a website for CDs or um, that people can look at? Um, yeah, no. Uh, I have a website, <laughs> yeah. so daledirksen.com. Okay. And uh, there's a contact information there. And I do have those. Uh, some of those records were distributed by a company in the U.S. for a while. Yeah. In, in fact, they sales from those paid for most of my doctorate, oh. uh, which was convenient at the time. Um, but yeah, if somebody shot me an email, I could sure. arrange for that to happen. I'll be sure people will do that. They'll want to hear what you're doing now, for sure. They won't be getting quick flight music, but they'll be getting your recent music, I would guess so. That's good. Yeah, yeah. I, one of the uh, records I did... <laughs> 
two or three ago. It's called Shake Your Faith. Okay. It's probably the more tech. Uh, it's got more techno on it, and it's definitely harder. Yeah. Uh, it is more. Uh, I don't know what else to say about it. I know. Um, it was it was an important record for me to do, and yeah. one of the guys that I play uh, that played with uh, played for that, who's a good friend of mine, is a guy who uh, was a pretty uh, important session player in L.A. for a long time, Craig Ospo. Mm-hmm. So he played with lots of different bands, but uh, he did drums on that one. And anyway, that uh, otherwise no, a little bit le- less quick flightish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So what do you think of people's, people are still interested in listening to classic Christian rock music, obviously, or we wouldn't have a station. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Um, well, like I said, stuff is cool and then lame and cool yeah, and lame. Exactly. Um, I, I tend to listen to older stuff. Yes. And I don't have to, when I was playing music, I had to be careful, you know, to be up to date on the things that were happening and try to pay attention yeah. to certain styles. And now, now I actually listen to what I like, yeah. but I regularly listen to older stuff than Quick Flight. I mean, I yeah. love Beatles. Yeah. Uh, I I like James Taylor, yeah. so I don't know if I should uh, admit that or I not. I love but James I do, Taylor. But, I love, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, I'm not surprise mm-hmm. uh, what what is surprising and i just got to say um the more time has gone by the more i've appreciated really the musical talent and i would say genius of rick de yeah. um rick's writing and production is just really phenomenal and so i think that's the reason why stuff ends up sticking around yeah. um, there's a lot of stuff that just fizzles and it's gone but if stuff stick around usually i think that's where it's from and i would give credit to rick for that um and i've i mean i've told him that it's uh it's weird at the time you don't always sense it right when you're just playing Mm -hmm. you're just in a band and whatever uh and i mean rick rick really was the main force behind quick flight but um you know just recognizing his skill and creativity levels Mm -hmm. has been yeah, I think I think that contributes as well. Yeah, uh, and then there's nostalgia, of course. For sure, you know, people like you, yeah, and it makes us feel young. <laughs> you're going to say people like you and That's me. That's right. <laughs> yeah, there's a certain point in your life yeah. where you you it's okay to go back yeah. and relive that moment yeah. and that experience. And yeah. so that's part of it. But to be fair, um, like I said, my kids uh-huh. like quick flight. And so yeah. my son-in-law who is part of that band I mentioned, yeah. you know, he likes, he likes the quick flight music. And so it's not just nostalgia. It's no. even uh, younger people sometimes hear something and they, they say, Oh, that's okay. That, that was influential or that was meaningful or whatever. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I work at a high school and I know for sure there's a lot of kids love the old rock, the old music, the old pop music. Um, I'm surprised a lot of times they'll have their little dance contest and there's old songs they're using. And uh, they yeah. even had a lip sync contest and here they were doing, oh, what was it now? Coco Cabana or something. I thought, they're not doing, <laughs> no. Uh, D jazzy, whatever they call them now. I don't even know all the, who the artists are now. Uh, they're doing old stuff and they, they like it. You yeah. know, or someone gets up and does an Elvis impression or another group's up there <laughs> and they're doing the Beatles, like you say. So I think it's great. Yeah. What do you think of the music scene today? Like, I know it's really so different um, to make an album today. I mean, people don't even buy albums. They buy a single or you yeah. know, download something. 
I I have felt in the last couple of years that the level of talent at the Grammys is just off the charts. Yeah. Like, like uh, I I'm just amazed at how good people yeah. are. So, so that's one thought. Yeah. Uh, but diversity, you know, the, the talent is definitely the, there, right? Yeah, and and I listen to stuff like what Billie Eilish is doing, yeah. and I feel like, oh, that's techno. Yeah. I recall, I recall that. Where did you they know? get and, that from? <laughs> well, and yeah. the amazing thing is, you know, they're doing it out of their house or something like this. Kind of reminds you of the Annie Lennox and the Eurythmics, and yeah. you know doing overdubs in the final mix and stuff like that, which I feel is, I just love that. And so I think the fact that that's still there Mm -hmm. when you can, and and who knows what digital processing happened with Billie Eilish. I don't know, but you know, you can still do that. I Mm -hmm. can still record out of my basement in way, you know, stuff that's okay. Um, that's an, it's an exciting time Mm -hmm. I think for music and even our current kind of lockdown stuff that's brought out all kinds of creativity. It's a, it's a plus, uh, in a really dark time that, uh, so I feel really encouraged about the music. It seems like everybody who has a guitar is up on my Facebook feed doing a a live from his room, you know, and they're pretty good. Pretty cool. Um, that's great. Well, that this has been awesome wonderful to catch up with you um uh have you got any final words for our listeners any words of encouragement um to say whatever you'd like um sure so uh i worked with a musician really good guy um ended up spending a lot of time with him uh, when he was a college student and i was um a professor i mean you know think of that the professor gets to play in a band with the student that's pretty cool but you know we worked through some stuff and wondered about what is what is it like to tour and what you know is that really the dream that you're going to have and and I told him some of my story and how, you know, that was good for me, but I also had other dreams yeah. and invest, other things I wanted to invest my life into. And mm-hmm. and at the time he said, you know, he was, well, yeah, fine, you know, but I want to be a rock star. <laughs> and he didn't use those no, words. But but yeah. any, anyway, he ended up uh, playing with a band that's fairly known and doing a lot of touring and writing and, uh, you know, really had success mm-hmm. and kind of had the same journey I did of feeling like, okay, that was good. But now I feel like I want to invest in something else. Yeah. And I remember when he contacted me and he said, you know, that thing we used to talk about, he says, I'm there now, mm-hmm. you know, I want to invest in other stuff too. And, and I think that's, uh, something that's important for up and coming musicians, you know, to say, you may just love playing music for 10 years and that may be, and it may be great and maybe formative and maybe just really good, but they may, that may not be the end for you. There may, may be other things that you do in life that maybe are even more significant, both in this world and the next. Um, and so that's okay. You know, don't feel like you're either, uh, you know, you've lost your way cause you don't want to play anymore yeah. or, uh, that, you know, one is better than the other. <laughs> uh, one, one time I was talking with somebody and I was just telling them about some of the stuff that, uh, I had been able to do musically and, and he said, Oh, that's incredible. And I said, but you want to hear something even more incredible? He says, yeah. And I said, I got to work in a camp with kids and I got to yeah. invest in kids' lives that I believe is an eternal investment. And that was amazing. And he looked at me like like I was from another planet. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think that's important for people to realize is there's so many really important things to do in yes. life. Some of them gets you notoriety, some doesn't. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean they're less or more important. Yeah. And I think there are a lot of people who, you know, think, well, if I could just do and then they name it. Yeah. And 
Yeah, it's not a thing. Find a thing that you're good and wired to do, yeah. and that may be more than one, and do that. Yeah. Good advice. Good advice. Thank you, Dale. Uh, Dale Dirksen from uh, Quick Flight, and uh, this has been Classic Christian Rock's Time Machine program. And uh, thank you again, Dale. Thank you. Thank you.